We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. But there was a moment in time where I thought about leveraging the Harvard Lightweights Instagram account into like every day, just like sliding into Taylor's DMs or whatever, tagging her on all our posts and seeing if we could get her to like come and like come to practice and then we could meet. Welcome to the other three years, a show for anyone who has an Olympic sized dream they want to turn into a reality. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the other three years podcast. This is a fun week because I'm going to record my episode with my boyfriend, Ian, who I don't think I've even mentioned on the podcast. So surprise, but we've been dating for a little Soft launch. Soft launch. (laughs) Um, We've been dating for a little while. And Ian, Ian, do you want to introduce yourself? Oh, sure. Hi, I'm Ian Accomando. I'm from Boston, Massachusetts, originally from Andover, Mass. I live in Somerville. I also row or used to row. Now I'm still rowing, sort of. I coach rowing at Harvard. And I've been doing that for 12 years. You rowed today or you erg today? I, I try to erg with the team because I can't abide watching steady state on the erg. So I do it with them instead. Why can't you abide watching erging? I don't know. It's just 90 minutes of loud music and mediocre erging. But I think that the most important thing is that they are erging. So I don't want to interrupt that by like trying to coach or anything like that. I don't want to freak them out by like walking behind them. I just want them to erg. I want them to relax, forget about school, erg, get fit, have fun with the boys. It was great. Today was great. Fun. What is your go-to erging song? Well, it depends on the type of piece. Uh, I just have one playlist on my phone. I have uh, I have Apple Music. I don't have. I do not have Spotify. And so I have one playlist. It's called Favorites, and I've been curating it since. I'm sorry, you I just said a, that like you uh, were the person that first started a Favorites album, but that's I, like a I mean, regular sure thing. People do. No, I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying like people have other playlists. Whatever. Like you've got girl pop. I know that. Girly pop. I don't have that. Girly pop. Right. But you you have other playlists as well. And mm-hmm. all I'm saying is is I have one. I have one playlist. It's the only playlist I play. And on Steady State, I have a personal rule of I don't skip any songs. Doesn't matter how much I actually don't want to listen to that song. I put it on my favorites list. I'm going to listen to it. So you don't have a favorite song to listen to while arguing? It used to be um, Lil John and the East Side Boys. Oh, it's called Throw It Up. It's very expensive, but it's really great for like low rate power pieces. Like we used to do this two by 24 in high school. And I used to have an iPod shuffle that had a like, it had a very small memory. So I would have a even more condensed form of my favorites playlist that would fit on it. But one of the songs that was on it was throw it up by old John. And at rates 20, 22, 24, it's like intense, but just low and slow enough to kind of go with the rhythm of that rate. If that came on or pieces over, I was going to destroy everyone. Wow. I'm so happy for you. So yes, Ian and I thought that we would we'll chat a little bit about 
some winter training stuff. And I have an erg test coming up this this Saturday. So maybe we'll talk a little bit about erg testing. Sounds maybe, great. maybe we'll start with some pop culture things just to give the people what they want in. What are your yes. thoughts on do you think that Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are actually dating or do you think it is a PR stunt? I think I've been thinking about this a lot. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> obviously, I'm very happily dating you, as you know. Uh, but there was a moment in time where I thought about leveraging the Harvard Lightweights Instagram account into like every day, just like sliding into Taylor's DMs or whatever, tagging her on all our posts and seeing if we could get her to like come and like come to practice and then we could meet. And because we're both born in 1989, that was my opening. I was like, yo, what's up? Also 89er. Uh, but good for Travis. I think he's also an 89er or thereabouts. Um, so happy for for Trav. Great podcast, the Kelsey Brothers. I know you listen to it. I only see clips of it on Instagram. I think I think it's great. I don't really care if it's for real or not. I think it's a great cultural moment. If Taylor saves the NFL because its ratings are going down, but now its ratings are going up again, then that's cool. I guess I don't care. I I didn't know that you had such a crush on Taylor Swift though. That's lovely. I went to her uh, red tour at, at Gillette. Wow. It's pretty cool. <laughs> did you go to the tour this summer? Did you dress up? Oh, eras? No, I did not. I was on my own summer tour. It was fun. So no opinion. I think if it's a sham relationship, I think that's actually kind of cool. So like either way, I think it's great. I think that it's a rom-com and that it was a sham, but then they really did fall in love. That's hilarious. I like that. <laughs> That's just what I it's think. It's just like that movie that's blowing up on Netflix right now. It's got the guy from Top Gun Maverick and it's got Sydney Sweeney. I haven't seen it. They like don't like each other, but they pretend to be in a relationship during this wedding weekend in like Hawaii or something. And then it turns out like they fall in love, obviously, because it's a rom-com. Mm. If your life could be any rom-com, which rom-com would you pick? Uh, I feel like my life is uh, Notting Hill. Like you're Julia Roberts. And I'm Hugh Grant running my really? travel bookstore. Yeah, you're Julia Roberts. You got the big smile like Julia. I do have a big smile, but I'm not a you movie know? star. Yeah, but you're like, I mean, relative to me, you're the star of this show. I'm just saying that's Notting Hill. Notting Hill's great. Okay, well, I have a few questions about... Wait a second. Oh, but sorry. if your life was a rom-com, what would it be? I don't know. I can pretend that I'm interviewing you for Horse and Hound, like in Notting Hill. Notting Hill is a good one. I've always loved um, how in that movie, No Strings Attached, he like professes his love to her via flash mob. I don't remember that in No Strings Attached. Is it No Strings Attached or Friends with Benefits? No Strings Attached with Mila Kunis. And, uh... That's Friends with Benefits. Oh. No <laughs> is Justin Timber is uh, no strings attached is Ashton Kutcher and um, the one with Justin Timberlake. Natalie Portman. Okay. That's that's it's, Friends with Benefits. Okay, sorry. Friends with Benefits. It's the one with Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis. Mila yeah. Kunis and yeah. um he like decides that he likes her or whatever and he professes his love to her via flash mob. Okay, taking notes, taking notes. No, I think that I would actually hate in real life if a flash mob was happening. I just, that's a fun scene of a movie. That is a fun scene. 
Yeah. Okay, good to know. Taking notes. Okay. All right, um, next okay, now we can switch gears back to rowing. So you've coached rowing for a year now. What do you think the most important things that people can do during the winter to help them prepare for a good spring? And the follow-up question to that is what's sort of a big mistake that you see people, maybe a big misconception of something that you see people focusing on a lot that's not as important as people think it is? Yeah, totally. Um, so I guess I'll take that back to like my college rowing career. So I was a lightweight at Dartmouth, and I was a big lightweight. I, I'm what we call a maxer, a true maxer. So I had a maximum sweat and a pretty big cut over the course of the winter to get down to like sweating range. So I guess I would say that I got lucky that that was the scenario that I found myself in because it forced me to train. And I was not, I'm not like naturally talented in a like physiological way. Um, I have a lot of like pop power, like peak power. Like I have that, no question asked, but that's really not like, I can go for one minute. I can, I'll take on anyone for a minute, but that's not gonna win you a 2000 meter race. In fact, it's a five minute, 40 second race in the light you need, right? So being big, I had to train to burn the calories, to cut the weight, to get down to lightweight range. And that meant that like Monday practice was at 4.30. I get there at 2. I do 20K in the back of the erg room all the freshman erg. Back then there was freshman running. Freshman erging. I did 20K in the back alone. Then practice started. And it was all out 10-minute pieces. And you got 15 minutes off. And you had to go into the tanks and do like technical training, which was like recovery. Like I didn't care about that at all. And then you go and you do another all out 10-minute piece. Then we'd go to lift. So I got there at like 2, 2.30, lift started at 6, went to like 6.45, 7, right? So that's five hours, not like constant training. There were some breaks in there. There was a, you know, after my 20K, coach would talk, then we'd do, you know, these, you know, 15-minute rotations, and we'd walk over to the gym, whatever. So there's some downtime, but like, I'm there a lot, a lot. Wednesday, we only met three times a week as a team. Wednesday, we had uh, an hour-long circuit. It was at 6 p.m. I would go and I would sit in the back of the erg room with the heavyweight men. And there was almost always one erg open. I'd be like, hey, you know, the coach at the time, uh, you mind if I just heard 20K alone. Then I'd go to circuit for an hour, which was brutal. And then Fridays, we'd have like three by 1500. So I'd take it easy and only get in a 10K. And then Saturdays, like I, when I was captain or whatever, like, senior year, I made the team come down and we do fun stuff like 500, like team relays, stuff like that, bring it up, like whatever. Um, the freshman coach actually let me like kind of run the freshman through some fun stuff. So that was cool. That was kind of when I first got into coaching, I guess. But then like Sunday, you know, this was like peak Bill Belichick, Tom Brady era, right? No days off. So Sundays I would break into the boathouse. Uh, I'd climb over the fence, go around. And you, if you pulled hard enough and like bounce the door off its own hinges, you could rip the back door of the Dartmouth Boathouse open. And then you could walk in and the custodial staff always came down at like 11 o'clock. So I had to make it look legit that I was in there. So I, I knew where the key to the door was. So I get the key and I unlock the front door, put the key back on, I'd email the team and be like, Hey, 1030 Sunday morning, I'm here. Erging, if anyone wants to join. And I do 20K on the erg and 45 minutes on the bike. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays was just the assignment was 20K from coach, right? So that was just like 10 straight weeks, Dartmouth's on trimesters. So 
It was January 3rd until spring break. That was 10 weeks of, that was it. That's what I was doing. And then the spring, that was persistent, but you're asking about the winter. So like, what's the one thing you can do in the winter? The long story there is I learned after that, that like, you got to do the meters because I went really fast when you did the 2K. Like, I finally went really fast when I started training like that my junior year. I was an absolute idiot my freshman year. So like, you know, it happens freshman, get over it. Just get smarter, learn from it, get better. Sophomores, I was a little bit better sophomore year, just not like fully committed yet. And then junior year and senior year, I like figured it out, figure out what worked for me. And like, really the reality is now that I've been at Harvard and when I got to Harvard right after graduating, there was just like, Harvard just had this stable of guys, like 12 guys deep that could do what maybe two guys on our team could do. And I was like, oh my God, like, I can't believe you were within a second of these guys. This is ridiculous. So one big lesson there is do the meters in the winter. You don't need to do them hard. Like I would have drag 100 for the drag factor. I would be going like a lot of two minute splits, you know, whatever. Like I, could I go 154 for 20K? Sure. I just didn't need to. Like that wasn't the point. The point was like get fit, burn the meters, whatever. Um, a lot of people up here are, are about like heart rate zones or training zones, whatever. Like now they call it UT2 in England or whatever in zone two. You know, a lot of like cycling, like that, whatever, but just do the meters. Honestly, you got to do like 36 to 40K in college a day if you want to be a champion. Or like the rough equivalent. Like if you have a lift, you know, 20K erg and lift, that's a good day, whatever. Uh, but you got to do the meters. So I was really fortunate to be a big guy. I had to do the meters. Like the little guys who were already at weight, like they didn't train that hard and they went slow. We went to spring break. They got mastered in Judaism. And then the one thing I think that's overvalued in the winter is like technical coaching. We just had 12 weeks of fall, at least at Harvard and Dartmouth. Like we will have already had our training trip. Like Dartmouth, we would go in December. I think they still go in December. Harvard, we go in January. Dartmouth and Harvard both go in March and you're rowing on the water. So like the erg, like if it's at all close enough, just let the kids erg. Don't coach them. Like if it's egregious, like they break their arms entirely before they push, right? Fine, coach them up. But if it's in the ballpark, just let it go. They don't want to listen to you. They're already erging. They're erging, coaches. They're erging. That's a miracle. Just let them erg. That's it. Mm. I know we're going to have to agree to disagree about doing tech on the erg, but that's okay. I forgive you. Okay. I haven't coached a college team, so I feel like it's a little different. Yeah. I feel like what I was trying to say was like, I am invested in the technical side of it on the water and on the earth, all fall. Like that's 12 solid weeks where like I am asking guys to come in outside of practice time, whatever, like we're going really slow, blah, blah, blah. But now it's like, you know, if we didn't get it, that opportunity passed. And now the best thing we can do going forward is just get really freaking strong because the Naval Academy doesn't have roster caps and sports are required. And in fact, it is better to be on a sports team at the Naval Academy than not be on a sports team because you get out of formation and stuff like that. You get off campus in the fall if you're fast enough and you definitely get off campus in the spring if you happen to be in the fifth eight gets off campus, right? So like they've got seven eights of guys who are already the kind of guys who sign up to go to the Naval Academy. And they're just in the meat grinder, right? They're just churning these kids through. So by the time it comes to the spring season, like their 3B has like 10 seconds per man on 2K against us. So like we're not going to skill and drill our way into that race at the 3B level, right? Like we need to 
smash and bash our way into that race. I do feel like it's a little different in high school, though. Like, I think that if they're just taking horrible strokes, it's like, what's the point? And then they're just going to injure themselves and they're never going to even have rowing experience. No, I mean, I understand what you're saying. And I do think that, like, it's pretty disruptive. You know, I can't remember a time in college where we were doing a steady erg as a team and somebody got, like, stopped for a technical reason. I feel like they just... No, we were just going. We had tanks so we could go in there and do tech stuff if we wanted to. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Okay, what is your favorite winter workout, either that you've done as an athlete or mm. that you've done as a coach? Well, we basically do one workout now. We just do like six by three minutes, which is fine. It's really hard. It's like really hard. And I think it's like... Two minutes rest or 90 seconds rest. And it's like maybe the first one or two, the race starts at 28 and finishes at 30, like two at 28, two at 32, two at 32. But then like by like week two or whatever, end of week two, it, the rates are about 30 the whole time and you're just like mashing. So it's, it's pretty brutal. But historically speaking, I would say I got a couple. So like I'm really sorry. I'm going to go as fast as I can. Two by 24 minutes with three minutes rest. So in high school, we only had the urges for an hour. So we had to get on and get off, you know, short and sweet. So like we, there was no such thing as steady state in high school, which I think is kind of actually the way to do it. Like it was just like, pull, just pull as hard as you can. And we never took the rates that high. Like, you know, we were urging for like 10 weeks in high school. Um, so whatever, the rates stayed pretty low for a long time, but two by 24 is, it's like, Three minutes at 20, two minutes at 22, one minute at 24, drop it back down, three minutes at 20, two minutes at 22, one minute at 24, drop it back down, repeat, repeat. Little break, do the same thing again. And I, I remember like one guy turned to me my junior year and he, and I was like, I didn't like ask the opinion, he just kind of gave it because he's that kind of guy, he's kind of a macho guy. And he was like, yeah, man, when your legs are out of juice, that's when you use the arms. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, man, I just keep using my legs and swing. Cool. He didn't make the top 16, um, but that's okay. He's a nice guy. But that workout is just like, it's such a meat grinder and it ebbs and flows and you get a second win, like, I don't know, 12 minutes to go, the second piece. Like, the second piece starts, and the three minutes of rest might as well not have happened. You're, you're, you're gassed, right? Because you're supposed to go maximum repeatable effort. Maximum repeatable effort, right? And we didn't, you know, like, we didn't have a heavy herb regimen as freshmen or sophomores. We only rode in the spring. There was no fall. There was no winter my first two years, right? So like in the self-selected group that was doing erg winter. So my junior year was the first time I'd, I'd done like a heavy erg winter. And I'm going up against these like monster dudes who've been in the varsity for like three years. And I'm like trying to scrape my way in. And I remember the first week, like some guy just quit and he was a front row guy. And they were like, oh, commando, front row. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so you next to like the captain and the PG, the postgraduate, but like 
fifth year senior who'd gotten pulled in to like be in the varsity that year. Uh, and I'm in the middle of these two monsters. And I'm just like, here we go. <laughs> and yeah, so two by 24, that was like the bread and butter of high school winter training. And I'll never forget it. I made my freshman do it a couple of years at Harvard. It's a bloodbath. It's great. Um, in college, as I said, on Mondays, we did 10 minute pieces and it was ranked really cool. Monday's piece, really, it was ranked. So you did two, you did two 10 minute pieces. No, I am right. You did two 10 minute pieces, but you got this like 15 minute break in between. But the best part was you were ranked exclusively, exclusively by your first piece. So really, they, there was paper posted on the bulletin board with your score and the other teams used that room. Like, I don't care how my second piece goes. I am, I am burning the Saudi oil. I'm burning West Texas oil. I'm burning Venezuela. I'm burning the strategic oil reserves. I'm burning it all, baby, on that first 10 minute piece and trying to get as high a ranking as I can. And so I love that. That was four, as you know, everyone said it in real life. Four, three, two, one, 22, 24, 26, 28. We just did it on sliders and the floor was uneven. So sometimes you get unlucky and you just be bashing back and forth. Very memorable. But anyway, I'll tell you my absolute, this is the last one. I'm sorry. It's top three, top three. Absolute favorite third workout of all time. Two man 10K and it's a relay race and you have to transition every 500 meters and you're allowed to like crank the handle during the transition. And yeah, you just, Absolutely. I was just smashing yourself. I was going to ask you what your favorite thing about coaching is. So in college, uh, my college coach was this big guy, Dan Ruff. If you've seen Lord of the Rings, he like kind of reminds me of Treebeard. And he also just kind of sounds like a baritone Kermit the Frog. And, you know, he would get really animated. He was really a technical guru and he would get really animated sometimes. And if you were like working at the change, making a change, making a change, making a change, and you finally got it, he'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he hits you with a triple yeah. So we call it, I call that the triple yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so now, you know, I don't know why. I just also throw out the triple yeah if kids are like making a change. And if I hit them with a triple yeah, like there's very, like sometimes I'll be intentionally being funny and they'll laugh and that's one thing. But sometimes like I'm obviously very seriously coaching and I'm like, no, that's wrong, 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 wrong. Yes, yes, good. Keep doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I hit him with the yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the big smile will be on their face and they'll be like, I did it. <laughs> and that's like the best moment. Oh, that was nice. Yeah, I can be nice. Do you have any questions for me? What do you miss the most about coaching? Because you used to be a high school coach. I miss just getting to hang out with the kids. I feel like it was crazy. You know, I, I started coaching at Saratoga, like the eighth grade girls into the ninth grade girls into the varsity so I coached these classes for their whole experience, basically, probably like five or six classes of, you know, kids that were just coming through. And most of the kids in Saratoga row fall, winter, spring, summer. So I spent so much time with them. You get to know them like so well and you get to watch them grow up sort of yeah. i mean obviously yeah, they continue totally. growing when they get to college but i just but i feel they, like you told me at some time like they're calling you from college you no know, the yeah the process doesn't stop yeah. the process doesn't stop and you get to talk to them still and you know i get to roast them on instagram when they go to college and they're wearing crop tops and i'm like put yeah. some clothes on um <laughs> i'm like or i need to stop following you um, <laughs> but no i mean i think that the really cool thing Obviously, we had some kids that 
performed super, super well and, you know, are now either graduated from or still rowing at some top programs, which is really incredible and super awesome. But also we just had kids that like high school rowing was all they were ever going to do. I don't know, you know, and you get to go to their other things they're interested in and cheer them on, you know, doing other things or hearing what they're going to talk about. It's just like the watching them grow up sort of Mm -hmm. was cool and playing a part in that. And to me, like having that much influence on a person at such an influential time in their lives, I took it really seriously. And I was like, you're all going to be better people after this. And of course, yeah, I want you to win races. I want you to go faster on your two. I want want you to do everything you want to do, but like, we're going to empower each other. And I want to be a strong female influence in your lives, you know, whether that's coaching boys or girls. Like, I feel like I've had a lot of coaches, not a lot, but I've had some coaches that really sort of coached from a place of like power Mm -hmm. and did a lot of yelling, which I'm not knocking at all. I think that can be very powerful, but that wasn't really my style. Like, don't get me wrong. I did yell at them sometimes when they really frustrated me, but I think there were many Not times, all the time, right? It was, uh, it was in your back pocket. Yeah, but there were many times where I'd be like, "Hey, you're out here with your best friends, getting to exercise. You're outside. Like, this is amazing, and I just want you to relish this moment. Like, you don't have to be at home doing homework. You don't have to be at school. You don't have to be stressed about Hoko or whatever the heck. And I think just empowering them to do what they were doing out of fun and happiness and that kind of thing was like i don't know i miss that totally yeah no 100 percent. i don't miss all the girl drama i mean there's boys i don't know know anything about that (laughs) boys have drama too but oh my goodness there was girl girl drama yeah i on the topic of strong female role models for youth especially boys. I, my first ever coach was a woman, Miss Devine. So if you're out there, Miss Devine, thanks so much. Um, uh, and she, yeah, we, we, she had the fifth boat and we were mostly novices. I think maybe one guy had rowed the year before who was a sophomore. And we were, I mean, obviously we were terrible, right? Starting out and, you know, we were the bottom of the barrel, chunky kids and the non-athletic looking kids and like, that's why the coach put us in the fifth boat, but also we didn't know how to row. And she just whipped us into shape. I mean, she did yell a lot, but like for a good reason, like one kid, I think they had ADD and like could not keep his head in the boat. And like he eventually got, he stopped getting voted and which is the right call. Good job, Mr. Fine. Um, but she would, she was just so funny. She would just say the craziest thing. She'd be like, I, I want you guys to be like vicious vampire bunnies. <laughs> and so we got these shirts made up and we were divine bunnies. And we started up the years of the fifth boat, and then we beat the fourth boat in a race. And she was like, "Those are my, those are my vicious bunnies." And then we rolled in the next week with the shirts that arrived, and she was like, "Oh my god, the shirts!" And then like the back had like a vampire bunny that had like chiseled down a like carrot into a spear. And then we beat the third boat, and we became the third boat. So the whole point of the story is to say, if anybody in high school is actually listening to this podcast, like it doesn't matter where you start out. We can all start out in the fifth boat, but eventually, if you try really hard and stick with your crew and like become a crew, we really became a crew. Like we really bought in to what our coach was saying and like had a lot of fun. And our coxswain would sing crazy songs to us. Stacy, still friends with Stacy to this day, 
Uh, I was just at a wedding with her and she was awesome. And like, I mean, I could do the songs right now, but I won't. <laughs> so you can start out in the fifth boat your first year and you can finish at the third boat and like go to your regional championship and like make a, make a memory. Um, so I know what they're training is hard, everybody, but like stick with it, put in the meters. Don't worry about the technique. I know Chris, you get disagrees, but just, just get after it. And when so you are inspirational. Out there just get the bow ball in front, man. Like, don't worry about anything else. Just stay in time, blade in the water, and haul ass. That was very inspirational, but I'm going to tell you one more thing. Oh, okay. Because when I coached the eighth grade boys one year, I made that, maybe I already told you this, but I made them all come up to me at the end of practice every day and look me in the eye and shake my hand before they left. Savage. <laughs> It <laughs> was <laughs> It was amazing. And if they didn't like look me in the eye or like it was limp fish, like we did it until but I feel like it was that great. matters. That matters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I'm sure they crushed that year. Oh, they were little rock stars. They were so great. They're still they're like the seniors now. I'm pretty sure that class Wild. is seniors. I was gonna huh? say, what's your favorite thing about dating me? For the Ooh, people. Favorite thing about dating you? Um, you're very fun. You're very adventurous. We always have a great time wherever we go, whatever we do. Sometimes that's just like sitting on the couch watching TV. Sometimes that's going out to dinner. Sometimes that's going for a hike. Oh, everybody. Um, Christy just got back from Colorado Springs, which has this famous incline called the Manitou Incline, which is 2,638 steps up a hill. Basically, like there's just like steps built into the hill. And you just go up the whole time. The middle section is very steep. And it was a little slippery, but fortunately, I brought my micro spikes and I brought some for Christy too. I think that I'm in like decent shape, but I realize that I'm in terrible shape. But also, Christy's already an Olympian and striving to be an Olympian again. <laughs> you don't really realize how good of shape people are in until they are on a phone call ahead of you on the incline, dropping you. Uh, so even that was pretty funny. I had to laugh at myself and like, that was a very humbling moment, but it was fun. And so, yeah, the best part about dating you is that, I don't know, you're so much fun. You make my life more fun. You make my life more fun too. Hey, what's the best part about dating me? If you ask me a question, I'm going to ask it right back. That's the pattern. Yeah. What the heck? (laughs) I don't know. There's so many good parts. I like that you understand so much and I don't feel like you're judging me but you also tell me your opinion about things and not don't just agree with me all the time and I like that you're always in a good mood and how even when you're not in a good mood you're still very animated because of your child acting classes yes thank you well thank you for having me on that was fun thank you thanks for coming on Well, for my quote of the week to end the show, I'm going, well, I was going to ask Ian because I've been reading this book that Ian gave me that's called Once a Runner. And there are a lot of parts I like, but do you think I should do a quote from Bruce Denton? Yeah, was it chapter eight, Bruce Denton? But I wasn't sure which one, like... Oh, it's it's the one, I mean, I could like paraphrase it right now, but I don't want to ruin it. I think this is what you're talking about. On the third day, assuming the new man made it that can far. I, can, I just do, can I just do the setup? Sure. And then you can read the quote. Okay, so the setup, everybody, for the quote of the week is this book is about 
college runners, cross country runners. Okay. And in the town, which is essentially Gainesville, Florida, they're, they're basically University of Florida runners made up them. There's this Olympic gold medalist, uh, Bruce Denton, and he's also training the town. And so Bruce Denton is this Olympic gold medalist that lets the college guys run with him and they can come, they cannot come. Bruce doesn't care. Bruce is always going to be there. And there's certain rules. If a young freshman like takes the pace up on his first day running with Bruce Denton, that's just where the pace stays for the rest of the run, no matter how long the run is. And so that's kind of the setup is that like, if you, if you mess around, you're going to find out. I know that there's a different way of saying that, which I don't think you should say on the podcast. But if you mess around, you're going to find out easy themes from Jimmy Christie here from post. So yes, the tempo was always moderate, but steady. If a new guy decided to pick up the pace, that's where it stayed, whether he finished with the group or not. You showed off at your peril. On the third day, assuming the new man made it that far, his outlook would begin to darken. For one thing, he was getting very, very tired. No particular day wore him out, but the accumulation of steady miles began to take its toll. He never quite recovered fully between workouts and soon found himself walking around more in a more or less constant state of fatigue depression, a phrase Denton called breaking down. The new runner would find it more tedious than he could bear. The awful truth was beginning to dawn on him. There was no secret. There is no secret. There is no secret. I'd love to hear from you. So send us a topic suggestion, or if you'd like to submit a question for our Ask Christy Anything segment, head to our website, theother3years.com.